Part three, chapter eight of Quo Vadis, a tale of the time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sinkevich, translated by Binion and Malevsky. Part three, chapter eight. When Petronius left Caesar, he gave orders that he should be borne to his house on the Carinae. This, surrounded as it was on three sides by a garden, and having in front the small forum of Cecilia, had escaped the conflagration. Other Augustales, who had lost their houses with all their treasures and works of art, dubbed Petronius a lucky man. For a long time past they had spoken of him as the first-born son of fortune. More recently Caesar's friendship had seemed to confirm their opinion but the firstborn of fortune might now meditate on the fickleness of his mother or rather on her likeness to time who devoured his own children had my house been burned he said to himself together with my gems my etruscan vases alexandrian glasses and corinthian bronze nero might have forgotten his anger by pollux and it depended upon me alone to be prefect to the praetorians at this moment i might have held the power to brand tigellinus as the incendiary which he is in fact i should have placed him in the tunic of torture delivered him over to the mob saved the christians and rebuilt rome who knows but that a happier period might not have arisen for honest men i ought to have done that were it only for vinitius's sake if the work had proved too hard i could have surrendered the office of prefect to him nero would not even have attempted opposition then vinitius might have baptized all the praetorians and even caesar himself what harm could that have done me nero pious nero virtuous and merciful this would even be an amusing sight such was his light-hearted indifference that he began to laugh but after a while his thoughts flowed into another channel he was in antium and paul of tarsus was speaking to him ye call us the enemies of life but answer me petronius if caesar were a christian and acted according to our doctrines would not your lives be more secure recollecting these words he continued by castor even if they were to murder all the christians here paul would find new ones for as the world cannot stand on knavery he is necessarily right but who knows whether knavery may not triumph i myself who have learned not a little did not learn enough to be a great enough rogue so i may even have to open my veins but in any event this must have been the end or if not something similar i am only sorry for my eunice and my marine vase eunice however is free and the vase will go with me bronzebeard shall not get it by any means i am also sorry for vinitius life of late had become less burdensome than of yore nevertheless i am ready tis a beautiful world but most of the people are so base that it is not worth while living though an augustale i was a freer man than they supposed here he shrugged his shoulders perchance they think that at this moment my knees are trembling that from fear my hair stands on end but when i reach home i will take a bath in violet water then my golden-haired lady will herself anoint me and after refreshment we shall command the singing aloud of that hymn to apollo which anthemius composed i myself once said that it is not worth while to think of death for it thinks of us in spite of ourselves how strange if in reality there should prove to be elysian fields and in them the shades of the departed 
in that case eunice would at once come to me and we should together wander over meadows and among asphodel plants we should find better company there than here what a farce what jugglery what a populace tasteless and unpolished tens of arbiters of elegance could not change these trimalchions into respectable people by persephone i have had enough of them he noticed with surprise that something had already separated him from the world he had known it well and had known therefore what to think of it but now a greater contempt than ever came over him surely he had had enough of it all then he reflected on the situation he understood that destruction did not threaten him just yet nero had uttered a few choice lofty and agreeable words concerning forgiveness which committed him for the moment he would now be obliged to search for a pretext and in the search time must elapse the first thing he will do is to send the christians into the arena said petronius to himself next he will think of me if so it is not worth while to trouble myself about it nor change my mode of life vinitius is in more immediate peril and from this on he thought only of vinitius whom he was determined to save slaves bore his litter hastily through the ruins the ash-heaps and chimneys with which the carinae was yet filled but he commanded them to hurry on so that he might reach home as quickly as possible vinitius whose island had been burned now lived with him and fortunately was at home hast thou seen lygia to-day asked petronius as he entered i have just returned from her hearken to what i have to say and lose no time in questions it was resolved to-day at caesar's to lay upon the christians the guilt of the burning of rome terrible persecutions and tortures await them pursuit may begin at any moment take lygia and flee instantly be it beyond the alps or to africa hurry for it is nearer from the palatine to the trans tiber than to this place vinitius was too much of a soldier to lose time in asking questions he listened with knitted brows and with a face determined and terrible it was obvious that his impulse was to defend himself and give battle i go said he one word more take a purse of gold take arms and a few of thy christian people in case of need rescue her vinitius was already at the door of the hall send me news by a slave petronius called out he was left alone walking along the columns which embellished the hall his mind dwelt on all which had come to pass he knew that lygia and linus had returned after the fire to their former home which with the greater part of the trans tiber had been spared this was unfortunate otherwise it would not have been easy to find them among the crowds of people petronius believed however that nobody in the palatine knew where they lived in such case vinitius would anticipate the praetorian guards it also struck him that tigellinus wishing to capture as many christians as possible at a time must spread the net over all rome that is he would have to distribute the praetorians in small divisions if he sent only a few men for lygia he thought that lygian giant would break their bones and what will happen if vinitius arrives with assistance this thought reassured him surely armed resistance to the praetorians were tantamount to war with caesar petronius also knew that if vinitius hid himself from nero's vengeance that same vengeance might fall on himself but he did not stop to think of this indeed he rejoiced at the thought of confounding nero's plans through those of tigellinus and determined not to spare either men or money 
paul of tarsus at antium had converted the greater part of his slaves wherefore he might be sure that in defending the christians he could count on their readiness and devotion the entrance of eunice interrupted his thoughts at sight of her his cares and troubles flew and left no trace behind he forgot caesar the disfavor into which he had fallen the degradation of the augustales the persecution which threatened the christians and vinitius and lygia he only looked upon her with aesthetic eyes enamored of wonderful forms and of a mistress who breathed love through such a form arrayed in a transparent violet robe through which shone her rose-colored body she was in truth as beautiful as a goddess conscious of the admiration she excited loving petronius with her whole soul and ever ready for his caresses she now began to blush for joy as though she were not a concubine but an innocent maiden what hast thou to say charis said petronius stretching out his hand to her inclining her golden head she answered anthemius has arrived with his choristers he asks if it is thy wish to hear him to-day let him wait let him sing to us after dinner and near the hearth of the yet burning ashes we shall listen to the hymn to apollo by the groves of paphos when i see thee thus robed it seems to me that aphrodite veiled with a portion of the sky stands before me o oh, master said eunice come hither eunice embrace me and surrender me thy mouth dost thou love me i could not have loved zeus more she pressed her lips to his mouth trembling in his arms from happiness after a while petronius said suppose the time has arrived when we must separate eunice looked in his eyes with fear how so master fear not but who knows whether i may not have to set out on a long voyage take me also petronius suddenly changed the conversation and asked tell me are there any asphodels on the lawn the cypresses and the lawns are withered from the fire and the leaves have fallen from the myrtles the entire garden wears the aspect of death all rome wears the aspect of death it will shortly be a real graveyard dost thou know that an edict is about to be issued against the christians then will commence a persecution in which thousands of people will perish why should they be punished master they are a good and quiet people just for that very reason then let us go to the sea thy divine eyes cannot look on blood yea but meantime i must bathe come to the anointing room and rub unguents on my arms by the ribbon of cypria never hast thou appeared to me so beautiful i will order a bath to be made for thee in the form of a shell and thou shalt appear like a costly pearl within it come o golden-haired one they went out an hour later both of them their heads wreathed with roses their eyes covered with mist rested at a table spread with vessels of gold they were served by youths attired as cupids they drank wine from ivy-covered goblets and heard the hymn to apollo sung to the music of the harp under the direction of anthemius what did they care though around their villa arose like funeral pyres the chimneys of the ruined houses and though gusts of wind scattered the ashes of burned rome they felt themselves happy and thought of nothing else but love which made their lives a divine dream but before the hymn was at an end a slave entered the hall master he said in a voice trembling with alarm a centurion with a detachment of praetorian guards stands below and at caesar's command wishes to see thee the song and the music ceased 
all present were alarmed for caesar was not accustomed to send praetorians on friendly errands and their presence in those days foreboded no good petronius was the only one who did not show the slightest fear he merely said with the air of one annoyed by too frequent callers they might have let me dine in peace then turning to the slave he said let them enter the slave disappeared behind the curtain a moment later heavy steps were heard and an acquaintance of petronius the centurion opper armed and with an iron helmet on his head entered the hall noble lord he said here is a writing from caesar petronius extended his white hand deliberately took the writing read it and handed it with the greatest composure to eunice he reads a new book on the troyad this evening and commands my presence i have no order save to deliver the writing said the centurion yes there will be no reply but centurion thou mightest as well rest a little with us and empty a goblet of wine thanks noble lord gladly will i drink a goblet of wine to thy health but i cannot remain for i am on duty why did caesar send the letter by thee and not by a slave i know not master perchance it was because i was ordered for another service in this direction i know said petronius against the christians true master it is long since the pursuit began some divisions were dispatched to the trans tiber before noon thus saying the centurion spilled a little wine in honor of mars then he quaffed it and said may the gods grant thee thy desires take the goblet and keep it said petronius then he signalled to anthemius to finish the hymn to apollo bronzebeard seeks to play with me and vinitius he said to himself when the harp sounded anew i divine his purpose he wanted to frighten me by sending his summons through a centurion in the evening the centurion will be asked in what manner i received him no no thou wilt not amuse thyself over much o malicious and cruel mountebank i know that thou wilt not forget the offence i know that my destruction is certain but if thou thinkest that i will look into thine eyes beseechingly that thou wilt see in my face either terror or humility thou deceivest thyself caesar writes master come if thou desirest said eunice wilt thou go i am in good health so that i can even listen to his verses answered petronius i shall go the more so because vinitius cannot after dinner and his usual promenade he placed himself in the hands of his slaves hairdressers and attendants who arranged the folds of his garments and in an hour's time beautiful as a god he had himself borne to the palatine it was late the evening was calm and warm the moon shone so brightly that the lamplighters preceding the litter extinguished the lamps on the streets and amid the ruins lurked drunken crowds adorned with garlands of ivy and honeysuckle carrying in their hands branches of myrtle and laurel procured from caesar's gardens an abundance of grain and the expectation of splendid games had filled the popular heart with joy here and there songs were heard magnifying the divine night and power of love here and there people danced in the moonlight the slaves had to force a way for the litter of the noble petronius and then the mob fell back and shouted in honor of their favorite he thought of vinitius and marveled why he had no news from him 
he was an epicurean and an egotist but through his associations now with paul of tarsus now with vinitius and hearing daily of the christians he had changed a little without being aware of it a breeze as it were had wafted upon his soul an unknown seed the welfare of others occupied him as well as his own to vinitius he had always been attached in his youthful days he had loved vinitius's mother his own sister now therefore when he was taking an interest in his nephew's affairs he looked upon them with as much concern as he would have looked on a tragedy he did not lose hope that vinitius had anticipated the praetorians and fled with lygia or at the worst had rescued her but he would have liked to be sure of this he foresaw that he might be called upon to answer various questions for which it would be well to be prepared halting in front of the house of tiberius he alighted from his litter after a while he entered caesar's hall already filled with courtiers his friends of yesterday though somewhat astonished at the fact that he had been invited moved away from him but he mingled among them beautiful independent careless and self-confident like one who has favors to distribute seeing this some were disturbed lest their coldness towards him might be premature caesar however feigned not to see him and made no response to his bow being apparently occupied in conversation but tigellinus approached and said good evening arbiter of elegance dost thou still assert that rome was not burned by the christians petronius shrugged his shoulders and tapping tigellinus on his shoulder-blade as he would a freedman answered thou knowest as well as i what is true i did not venture to compare myself with thee in wisdom for once thou art right caesar reads us a new song from the troyad thou wilt be obliged instead of screaming like a peacock to say something approaching absurdity tigellinus bit his lips he was not overjoyed that caesar should have decided to read a new song for that opened out a field in which he could not compare favorably with petronius it actually happened that at the time of the reading nero involuntarily from old habit turned his eyes toward petronius with careful scrutiny as if to read his face petronius as he listened raised his brows approved at times and at others intensified his attention as if he wanted to be sure that he had heard correctly some parts he praised others he criticized recommending modifications or corrections nero could not fail to recognize that others in their fulsome praises thought only of themselves while petronius occupied himself with poetry for its own sake he alone understood it when he happened to praise one could be certain that the verses were good little by little he was drawn into a discussion with him finally when petronius questioned the fitness of a certain expression he said thou wilt see in the last song why i used it ah thought petronius then we shall wait for the last poem many in the audience thought to themselves woe is me petronius having ample time may return to favor and even overthrow tigellinus they began to flock around him but the close of the evening was less fortunate when petronius was taking leave caesar asked suddenly with blinking eyes and a face full of malicious delight why did Phoenicius not come had petronius been certain that vinitius and lygia were already beyond the gates of the city he might have replied he was married with thy permission and left but observing the odd expression of nero he answered thy invitation o divine one did not find him at home 
tell him that i shall be glad to see him answered nero and tell him that from me not to miss the games in which the christians shall appear these words alarmed petronius they seemed to him a direct allusion to lygia seated in his litter he gave orders for even greater dispatch than in the morning but this was no easy task in front of tiberius's house stood a dense and tumultuous crowd drunk as before but not singing and dancing they were evidently excited cries were heard from a distance which petronius at first could not comprehend but these increased in volume until at last they changed into one wild roar the christians to the lions splendid litters of courtiers hustled through the howling multitude from the depths of the burned streets poured in new crowds who hearing the cries repeated them the news flew from mouth to mouth that the pursuit had been continued since noon and that already a great number of incendiaries had been caught along the new streets and the old through alleys lying among the ruins near the palatine along all the hills and gardens through the length and breadth of rome rang ever-increasing shouts the christians to the lions asses thought petronius with contempt the people are worthy of their caesar and it struck him that a people propped up by force by cruelty such as even barbarians had no conception of mad and dissolute could not endure rome dominated the world but it was also its sore from it was wafted a putrid odor over decaying life hovered the shadow of death more than once had this been spoken of even among the augustales but never before had the truth come so near home to petronius that the garlanded chariot upon which stood the statue of rome in the guise of a triumphator dragging behind it a chained herd of nations was hastening on to a precipice the life of the world ruling city appeared to him a sort of mad dance an orgy which must soon come to a close he now perceived that the christians alone had a new foundation for life but alas before long not a vestige would be left of the christians and what then the mad dance would continue under the lash of nero when nero was gone another would be found like him or even worse since among such people and such patricians there was no hope for a better one there would be a new orgy viler and fouler than ever but the orgy could not last for ever sleep must terminate it even through very exhaustion brooding thus petronius felt greatly troubled was life worth while if spent in uncertainty with no aim save to gaze upon a world of this sort the angel of death was no less beautiful than the angel of sleep he also had wings on his shoulders the litter stopped in front of petronius's door it was opened at once by the ever watchful porter has the noble vinitius returned asked petronius a moment ago master answered the slave so he could not have rescued her mused petronius casting aside his toga he made his way into the hall vinitius was sitting on a three-legged stool his head bent almost to his knees and his hands on his head at the sound of steps he raised his stone-like face in which his eyes shone with a feverish gleam didst thou arrive too late asked petronius yes they had taken her before noon hast thou seen her yes where is she in the mamertine prison petronius shuddered and cast an inquiring glance on vinitius 
no said the latter comprehending his meaning they did not thrust her down in the tullianum nor in the middle prison i paid the guard to surrender his own room to her ursus took his place at the threshold and now watches over her why did not ursus defend her they sent fifty praetorians and linus prohibited him but linus linus is dying that is why they did not take him what do you propose to do to rescue her or die with her for i also believe in christ though vinitius spoke quietly his voice betrayed his despair petronius's heart beat with responsive pity i understand thee he said but what is thy plan of rescue i paid large sums to the guards first to protect her from indignity and second to make no effort to impede her flight when will that be accomplished they replied that they could deliver her up to me at once as they feared further responsibility as soon as the prison is crowded and the register of the prisoners becomes confused they will deliver her to me but this is a last resource do thou save her and me thou art caesar's friend he himself gave her to me go to him and save us in lieu of replying petronius called a slave and commanded him to bring two dark mantles and two short swords then he turned to vinitius on the road i shall answer thee he said meanwhile take a mantle take arms and we will go to the prison there give the gods a hundred thousand sesterces give them twice or even five times as much if they agree to free lygia immediately otherwise it will be too late let us go cried vinitius now listen to me said petronius as they reached the street we must lose no time from now on i am in disgrace my own life hangs suspended on a hair therefore i can get nothing from caesar worse still i am certain that to spite me he would refuse my request were it not for this would i have counselled thee to flee with her or to rescue her if thou shouldst succeed in escaping the wrath of caesar will fall upon me he might concede thy request to-day but not mine nevertheless count not on that nothing else remains for thee to do if this does not succeed then there will be time for other remedies for the present know that lygia is a prisoner not only because of her belief in christ but because poppaea's anger is against her and thee and she persecutes you both hast thou forgotten that thou didst offend the augusta by rejecting her she knows that lygia was the cause of the rejection she has hated her from the first once before she sought to destroy her by attributing to her the death of her child by witchcraft thus the finger of poppaea is in all that is now happening thou art now able to answer the question why lygia was the first to be imprisoned who could have pointed out the house of linus but i can tell you that she has been shadowed for some time i know that i wring thy soul and tear the last shred of hope from thee but i say all this purposely for if thou failest to free her before they sent a hint of the purpose then ye are both lost true i understand all answered vinitius in a hollow voice owing to the lateness of the hour the streets were deserted further conversation was interrupted by a drunken gladiator he reeled against petronius and placed his hand on his shoulder breathing into his face the odor of wine he shouted in a hoarse voice the christians to the lions Myrmelon was petronius's quiet answer hearken to good advice hurry on thy way the drunken gladiator seized petronius by the other hand shout instantly the christians to the lions or i will break thy neck 
Petronius's nerves had had enough of these vociferations. From the time he had left the Palatine they had shocked him like a nightmare and deafened him, so when he saw the uplifted hand ready to strike him, the measure of his patience was filled. Friend, he said, thou smellest of wine and impedest my way. So saying, he ran the short weapon with which he had armed himself up to the hilt in the man's breast. Taking Vinitius by the arm, he moved on as though nothing had happened. Caesar said to me today, Ask Vinitius in my name to be present at the games in which the Christians will appear. Dost thou comprehend what he means? They wish to extract joy from thy pain. This is a fact. This may be the reason why thou and I have not yet been imprisoned. If thou art not able to take her from prison, I know not. Perhaps Actia will intercede in thy behalf. But can she do it? Thy Sicilian lands may also tempt Tigellinus. Make the experiment. I will give him all that I possess, answered Vinitius. From the Carinae to the Forum was not far. They soon arrived there. Night was already paling, and the outlines of the walls of the castle could be discerned. Suddenly, while they were turning toward the Mamertine prison, Petronius stopped and said, Praetorians, it is too late! And in fact the prison was surrounded by a double row of soldiers. The dawn silvered their iron helmets and the points of their javelins. Vinitius's face grew as pale as marble. Let us go! he said. For a moment they stood near the lines. Petronius, who was gifted with an extraordinary memory, knew not only the chiefs, but nearly all the Praetorian soldiers. He soon discovered one of his old acquaintances, who was the leader of a cohort. He nodded to him. "'What does this mean, Niger?' he asked. "'Did they order you to guard the prison?' "'Yes, noble Petronius. The prefect feared lest attempts might be made to rescue the incendiaries.' have you an order to refuse admittance inquired vinitius no master we have none friends will visit the prisoners and thus we shall be enabled to seize more christians then let me in said vinitius pressing petronius's hands he said to him see actia i will come to you for her answer come replied petronius at this moment from beneath the ground and beyond the thick walls was heard the sound of singing a hymn low and faint at first by degrees it swelled in volume voices of men women and children formed together a harmonious chorus the whole prison began to resound like a harp in the quiet dawn they were not voices of anguish or despair but on the contrary of joy and triumph the soldiers looked at one another in amazement in the sky appeared the golden and rosy glimmer of the morning. End of Part 3, Chapter 8